It's good to be back here with you again this morning. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations. And if you need help finding that, find Isaiah, then Jeremiah, and then you come to Lamentations. And if you'll turn to chapter 3, Lamentations chapter 3, if you would, please. And when you find Lamentations chapter 3, I'm going to ask you to hold that place in your Bible because we're going to come back there in a few minutes. And I'm going to ask you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you need help finding that, just find the Psalms and then Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We'll begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in just a few minutes and then we'll go to Lamentations 3 a little bit later. Well, in exactly uh, 12 months time, I've had the privilege of being in your church three times. This is my third time to be here and uh, I've really, uh, really enjoyed it. Brother Joe and I were figuring up this morning, this is my 19th time to be here at your church. Uh, more than any other church in America except one. There's one church I I started going there in 1984, and I've been there every year since, and sometimes two or three times a year, like like here. But other than that one church, uh, this one more than any other, I just love being here. Uh, love uh, that Brother Joe lets me come uh, every year. Did I talk long enough for you to find both places? You get Lamentations 3 and, uh, and Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Before we get to, and by the way, Brother Ted, I just love that song. Thank you so much. It just, uh, just really touched my heart. Um, before we get to our text verses that we're going to read in a few moments, I want to remind you of a young man by the name of Daniel. He grew up in Israel, probably in Jerusalem. He was there as a young boy or teenager uh, when the nation was invaded by a foreign country and and Daniel, along with many others, was taken captive from Israel to Babylon. And while he was there in Babylon, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. And it concerned him, so he wanted someone to interpret the dream, but none of his wise men could. So finally, God gave the interpretation to Daniel, and Daniel interpreted the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar and King Nebuchadnezzar put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom, made him the second man just underneath the king in charge of the entire nation. Many years later, Daniel was still in Babylon, and there was another king by that time, and his name was Belshazzar. Belshazzar was uh, having a, a drunken feast one night. He was hosting this big drunken feast. They were mocking God. They had taken the golden cups that were stolen from the temple in Jerusalem back during the invasion. And uh, they took those golden cups and was drinking wine out of them and mocking God. In the midst of that uh, drunken feast, a man's hand, appeared, or at least the fingers of a man's hand, appeared on the wall and began to write something in a language nobody could understand. You've heard the phrase, the handwriting on the wall. Well, that's where that phrase comes from, from that story in the Bible. The Bible said that Belshazzar was so overcome with fear because of that man's fingers writing on the wall that his knees began to knock. You've heard the phrase, so scared my knees are knocking. Well, that's where that phrase comes from, from that story in the Bible. Belshazzar's wife, the queen comes in and sees the condition of her husband, and she says to her husband, 
There is a man here in the kingdom who can interpret dreams. Why don't you have him come and see if he can interpret that writing? So Belshazzar calls Daniel in. And Belshazzar says to Daniel, I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and, and notice this phrase, dissolve doubts. Belshazzar said to Daniel, I've heard of you, and I've heard you can dissolve doubts. That's what every husband in America should be doing right now is dissolving the doubts of his wife. That's what every father in America should be doing right now, dissolving the doubts of his family. That's what every mother in America should be doing right now, dissolving the doubts of her children. That's what our news media should be doing, but, but, but they're not. And you're entitled to your opinion and as well as anybody else, but in my opinion, that's what President Trump tried to do on many occasions, dissolve our doubts. A few years ago, uh, I was talking to one of my adult daughters, and I was explaining a certain issue to her. And I could tell as I was explaining the issue uh, and the background behind it and so forth, she was becoming more and more relaxed. And finally, when I finished, she made this statement. She said, but the problem is every time a new issue comes up, my daddy is not here when I get home at night. To calm my fears. What I want to do this morning is I want to try to teach you something that my pastor taught me many years ago. My former pastor, Dr. Jack Hiles. He taught what I'm going to try to teach you this morning to us many, many years ago. And this truth God has used to Calm my fears many, many times through the years. I don't remember the title of Brother Howes' message. I don't remember what text he used. I'm certainly not this morning going to try to preach one of his messages because that would be a disaster. But, but, but I'm going to try this morning to teach you a truth that God has used in my life many, many times through the years. We're going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse 1. I'm in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Now if you would go back a page or so to chapter 1. I'm still in the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you'll go to chapter 1, I want to read one verse from chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 says... The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. That phrase is saying this, the thing that hath been is the thing which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. This verse is telling us that what happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow. The sun came up in the east and set in the west yesterday. It's going to come up in the east and set in the west tomorrow. What happened last week is going to happen next week. 
That verse is telling us that what happened last month, it's going to happen next month. It rained some last month, it's going to rain some next month. Uh, it, it's telling us that what happened last year, it's going to happen next year. It snowed some last year, it's going to snow some this year. It, uh, uh, it's telling us that what happened in the last decade, it's going to happen in the next decade. Uh, you mark my word. You take today's date and you count back 10 years. And you add up the number of hurricanes we had in America in the last 10 years. And you start today and record every hurricane we have in America in the next 10 years. And I guarantee you the number will be very similar if you compare the two 10-year period. What happened in the last century will happen in the next century. You know, the same percentage of people that died in the last century is going to be the same percentage of people that will die in the next century. You know, now the news media will try to tell you that the worst thing that ever happened to mankind happened today while you had your television off for a few hours. <laughs> They'll try to make you think that surely America is going to be destroyed tonight. Uh, if not tonight, it'll happen tomorrow. <laughs> You know, I heard one gal say uh, lately, uh, not long ago, she said, we've only got 12 years left. She said, 12 years from now, the whole world's going to be ruined unless you put me in charge. <laughs> unless you do everything I tell you to do, uh, the whole earth's going to be ruined within the next 12. Doesn't it sound kind of like a Batman cartoon? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, if you don't do what I say, you know, we're going to destroy the whole, whole world in the next uh, 12 years years but I guarantee you 12 years from now the sun will still rise in the east and it'll still set in the west it'll still uh, rain a little bit every month it'll still sm snow a little bit every year the geese will fly south uh, uh, every uh, 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 fall and they'll fly north every spring Water will still run downhill. We'll still be breathing oxygen. Most men will still like women. Most women will still like men. Uh, women will still be giving birth to cute little babies. And grandparents will still be loving their grandchildren. If Jesus doesn't come back in 12 years from now. Uh, you know, uh, hey, have you, ever, have you ever noticed how far off they are on how old the earth is? Did you ever take an open book test in school? You, you love those kind of tests, you know, where they, where they give you the test, but they say you can get the answers out of the book. I love those kind. And, you know, if you want to know how old the earth is, the answer is right here in the book. It, it, all you got to do is just do a little math, and you'll figure out that the earth's a little over 6,000 years old. But, you know, they say millions and mi Well, they've worn that phrase out now. Now they're saying billions and billions of years ago. If they're that, if the earth, and I say if, since the earth is a little over 6,000 years old, it tells us right here in the Bible, just do a little math and you'll figure it out. Since the earth is 6,000 years old and they think it is millions and millions or billions, if they're that far off, how do you think they're going to narrow it down to 12 years how much longer we've got left? You know, you don't need to turn to it, but in the book of Genesis chapter uh, Chapter uh, 8, I believe, yeah, in Genesis chapter 8, the Bible says, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. 
You know, some would have you believe that it has gotten so bad, especially here in America, that you can no longer have a, an influence for God and for good and, 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 and for right. Uh, they'll try to tell you that you can no longer rear an old-fashioned, conservative, godly, traditional, biblical Christian family here in America. They'll try to tell you you can no longer build a bus route. You can no longer build a Sunday school class. You can no longer see a teenager's life changed for God. You can no longer have a strong marriage. You can no longer get visitors to come to church or win souls and see them baptized. Yes, I'll admit the world has its problems today and so does America. But you know, Babel had its problems when God came down and confused their language. But you know, from that day to this, day and night has not ceased. And the thing that hath been is that which shall be. Yes, um, the world has its problems and so does America. But you know, Sodom and Gomorrah had its problems when God destroyed it. And you know, from that day to this, uh, day and night has not ceased. And that thing which uh, hath been is that which shall be. Sure, the world has its problems today, and, and uh, so does America, but the children of Israel had their problems when they refused to go into the promised land, and God caused them to wander for 40 years. But you know, during those 40 years, and since those 40 years till now, day and night has not ceased, and the thing that hath been is that which shall be. Yeah. The world has its problems, and, and so does America, and, and so did the nation of Israel when God made them go into captivity for 70 years. But do you remember what Jeremiah said during those 70 years? God had Jeremiah to tell the people while they were in captivity, he said, build ye houses and dwell in them. That sounds long term to me. That sounds like long-term plans. Build your house. He didn't say build a house and stay in it. He said dwell in it. That indicates long-term. He said plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. That, that takes a while. That's long-term. He said take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, plural sons, plural daughters. <laughs> That's long-term plans. Uh, he said take wives for your sons. Give your daughters to husbands. That's long-term plans. He said and seek the peace of the city for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace he said pray unto the Lord for the peace of the city and then you will have peace what was he telling them he was telling them to carry on with the routine of life he said while you seek the peace of the city that you're dwelling in at this time he said carry on with the routine of life what should you and I be doing here in America today we ought to be carrying on with the routine of life while we pray for the peace of our nation. Because the same thing that happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow. The same thing that happened last year is going to happen next year. The same thing that happened in the last century is going to happen in the next century. So don't let them tell you that you missed your chance. Don't let them get your, uh, don't, don't, don't let them uh, uh, make you think that, that you missed out on your chance. What God has done, God will do. 
You know, while the entire nation of Israel was lying in ruin and the entire city of Jerusalem was, was under destruction, uh, had been destroyed, and there was just a little remnant of the people left there in Jerusalem, and every single house in Jerusalem had been burned to the ground. Can you imagine that? If, if, if every single house in Danbury was burned to the ground, but that's exactly what happened in Jerusalem. The wall had been destroyed, and the little remnant of the people were actually living under the rubble of the city. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3. In those conditions, Jeremiah walks outside and into the city. And as Jeremiah is walking around the city in Lamentations chapter 3, he's looking at the ruined of the city and the people living in the rubble. And he says in verse 21, this, what is this? A ruined city, rubble, destruction, people living in the rubble. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, he said, I go back outside so I can see it one more time. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have anxiety and stress and depression and worry. <laughs> Not what Jeremiah said. He said, when I look around and I see all this, therefore I have hope. Why does he have hope? Well, look in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. You know what he was saying? He was saying the reason that the, the few of us that are left have not been totally consumed yet, it's because of God's mercy. And I can tell you why America has not been totally consumed yet. It is not because I'm better than you. It's not because you're better than somebody else. It's not because we're better than them. It's not because there's more of us than there are of them. There's one reason America has not been totally consumed yet, and that's because of God's mercies. Look at verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Why? Why are we not consumed by, uh, uh, you know, due to God's mercies? Because His compassions fail not. And, and then verse 23. They, God's compassions and mercies, are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in the Republican Party. Therefore, I will hope in the president of my choice. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'll hope in him. He said, verse uh, 25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and well, I don't like these words. Quietly wait. I don't want to quietly wait. <laughs> I want to tell everybody my opinion. I want to tell everybody how I feel about it. I want to get everybody's attention and tell them, if you'll just listen to me, I'll straighten out all this mess. If you'll just listen to what I've got to say, we'll resolve this whole thing. <laughs> That's what I want to say. But God's idea is for me to hope and quietly wait, not for my solution, but for the salvation of the Lord. Day and night shall not cease. The thing that hath been is that which 
shall be. Yes, America has its problems, but do you really want to go back to the good old days like America used to be? Why don't we go way back to the really, really good old days? Maybe we can go all the way back to that 400-year period of time when the whole world was, uh, uh, was plagued by the uh, leprosy of, of slavery. And even America was affected by it. Yeah, we can go back to those wonderful old days when we used to buy and sell each other. Or maybe we could go back to those good old days in America. Maybe we could go back to that time when our vice president, Aaron Burr, shot and killed our treasury of the, our, our secretary of the treasury, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel. Or maybe we could go back to the good old days like it was in my childhood. You know, maybe back to November of 1963. I remember that morning I was sitting in school in the third grade. And I remember when the uh, teacher came, to, uh, stood up in front of the class and said, boys and girls, get your books together. We're all going home. It was about, I don't remember, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't remember exactly what time it was. And she said, we're all going home early today. And, I, you know, a little third grade kid, I thought, oh, boy, hot dogs, you know, man. I mean, praise the Lord. Uh, we're, we're, we're going home early. And, 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 I was, and I looked out, the, she said, all the buses are waiting to take you home. And I looked out the window, and I hadn't even noticed, but all the buses were lined up out there. And I was thinking, man, this is great. We're going home early. And I got on the bus, and I sat down about four rows from the front, right on the aisle, on the end of the seat. And, and, and this little boy, uh, uh, well, this big boy, uh, you know, I was a little third grader. He was a big boy. He was in the fourth grade. His name was Chuck Mazee. And, and Chuck was across the aisle, and Chuck said, Ray, you know why we're going home early? And I said, no, and I thought, and I don't care. <laughs> we're just going home early. That's all that matters, you know. And he said, we're going home early because they shot and killed our president this morning. And my little third grade mind didn't comprehend all of that. But then he said, you know, Chuck, he was in the fourth grade. He was a big boy. He had it all figured out. <laughs> then he said... And the reason they're sending us home early is because the Russians are coming. And he said, uh, we got to get home quick because they want us to be with our parents when the Russians get here. And I cried all the way home. I remember I sat there on that bus and I cried all the way. Uh, you know, somehow I could just see three or four big, ugly Russian soldiers, you know. I don't know what Russian soldiers look like, and I don't know if they're all ugly or not, but they were that morning. <laughs> and, 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 and I could just see them at the front door of my house trying to break in when I got there. Or maybe we could go back to uh, 1966 when the man killed his wife and his mother-in-law one night. And the next morning, he climbed to the top of the clock tower on the University of Texas Austin campus. And with a high-powered rifle, killed 15 people before they could stop him. Or maybe we could go back to the good old days in 1968 when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And riots broke out all over America. I think these so-called riots we had last summer, I don't call them riots, I call them paid-for demonstrations. But, but uh, they, I think it affected 20-something cities. Uh, but back in 1968, when those riots broke out, it was over 100 cities. And they didn't burn one precinct and a couple of cars. I remember watching on the news where they were burning 20 and 30 and 40 square block areas of the whole city. And I remember the night I was sitting at the supper table with my family, and we were watching the news live, 
and they had a helicopter uh, hovering above an intersection in Los Angeles, and, and some a man had pulled up at the red light live on, on, on the evening news, and, and, and they had uh, surrounded his car, broke his windows, drug him out of the car, and, were, and they beat him to death right there on the street. We watched it happen while we were eating supper that night. I remember the next day my dad came home from work. I was 12 years of age at the time. My dad set me and my brother, who was uh, uh, 16 years of age at the time, he set us down on the couch and he sat on the coffee table in front of us and he said, boys, today when I left work, he was a carpenter, he and one other carpenter were building a house together. They were in a new neighborhood where there was nobody living yet. He said, today when the other carpenter and I got in our trucks to leave the job site, when we got to the edge of the new neighborhood, back to where people were living, he said there were about 40 men standing across the street. They had iron pipes and ball bats and tire irons and, and bricks. And he said uh, they stopped our trucks and wouldn't let us get by. He said uh, I had my pump shotgun behind the seat in the truck. The other man had his 30 6 behind the seat in his truck. He said, we both stopped our trucks, we both opened the doors, we both rolled down the windows, we both wrapped in a shell, and he said, they all left. He said, when I got home this afternoon, I found out that today, during the day, a group of men came to our neighbor's house, Mr. Lawler. He was a politician. But his wife was home alone, and those men knew that. They knew where her husband was that day, taking care of some business. And they surrounded her house and tried to break in, and the sheriffs had to come and chase them away. And I heard my father say these words. And my father was not a hothead. He was, he was a calm man. But I heard my father calmly say, Boys, I can't stay home tomorrow. I have to go to work. He said, Boys, if those men come back tomorrow and try to bother your mother, I, heard, I was 12 years old. I heard my father say these words. You know where the gun's at. And I heard my father say these words. Twelve-year-old boy. Boys, a wounded man can shoot back and testify in court. A dead man can't do either one. Don't shoot him in the legs. I was 12 years old. I heard my dad say those words. You want to go back to the good old days? 1969 maybe. Where about an hour and a half from here, Woodstock, New York. 400,000, almost a half a million teenagers and young adults, so-called adults, <laughs> showed up in a man's cow pasture. And for four days and four nights, non-stop rock music, drugs, open drugs, open nudity. Open sex like animals. Maybe you want to go back to the good old days in the 1970s. You remember John Wayne Gacy and his 33 victims he buried in the basement of his house? How about the good old days in the 1970s when Jim Jones took uh, over a thousand people, talked to a thousand people, over a thousand people into going with him down to Guyana and living like animals in the jungle? incest and, and just I won't even go into any of the details and then when he got found out he talked over 900 of them into drinking the poison Kool-Aid 
Yes, uh, uh, America has had its problems through the years, but so has Germany, and so has China, and so has Japan, and France, and Iran, and Mexico, and Africa, and Russia, and North Korea. But in spite of all those problems, day and night has not ceased. And the thing that hath been is that which shall be. You know, I thank God that it was during those 1960s and 70s that I was just describing to you. It was during that time that my mother took a little gospel track that came from the track rack in the back of the auditorium at our little Southern Baptist Church. And after lunch on a Sunday afternoon, set me down on my bed and read that track to me with tears running down her face while she read the track. And that was the first time I had ever heard the gospel that somebody had ever told me personally the gospel. And, and, and she did her best to get me saved. And, and, and my little fourth grade mind, I didn't comprehend it all. And, and, and I prayed a prayer with her, but I didn't know what I was doing. But it was during those 60s and 70s. In fact, 1970 is when that bus came by my house. On that dead end dirt road. <laughs> that bus picked me up and took me to church. In the midst of all that mess that was going on in America. The first time I went to that church, I got saved. The second time I went, I got baptized. The third time I went to the church, I got called to preach. Three months later, I was the bus captain. And less than a year later, I was the youth pastor. Less than a year less than the, uh, later than that, I was, the, uh, I, I was the, uh, uh, the, the bus director. You know, Brother Joe, it was during those 1960s and those 1970s that God used men like Wally Beebe and Jim Vineyard to start bus ministries all over America. It was during those 1960s and especially those 1970s that God used a man like Jack Hiles and a man like Wendell Evans and a man like Russell Anderson to start at Hiles Anderson College and to train preachers and send them out across our country. I believe that God will continue to do what he has done. Regardless of what the news media says, regardless of who gets elected, regardless of what laws are made or what restrictions are put on us, I believe there is a God in heaven, and I believe that 12 years from now, that same God will still be using this same book to reveal himself. I believe that that same God, 12 years from now, will still be using the foolishness of preaching to get people saved. I believe 12 years from now that that same God will be using his Holy Spirit to comfort me and to comfort you. I believe that 12 years from now, there will be some of you still winning folks to Christ. I believe 12 years from now, there will be some of you still teaching a Sunday school class. I believe 12 years from now, there will be uh, some of you will still be preaching the gospel. I believe that 12 years from now, some of you will still be feeding the homeless. I believe that 12 years from now, some of you will still be teaching this Bible right here to your children in your home. And I believe that 12 years from now, you will still be winning folk. You know, in the last few months, uh, several months, last few years, just the last two or three years, uh, you know, I have had the privilege of going door-to-door soul winning with some pastor uh, or pastors in the state of Texas, the state of Massachusetts, uh, West Virginia, Connecticut, uh, Arizona, uh, North Carolina, uh, 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 Nebraska, Montana, California, I, uh, 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 Michigan, 
Mississippi, uh, Indiana, not to mention Thailand, the Philippines, Honduras, and, and, and Mexico. And I'm here to tell you this morning that in every one of those places, regardless and in spite of all the problems, God's still saving people. Lives are still being changed. Homes are still being strengthened. Uh, marriages are still being salvaged. You know, I've been saved 50 years now, and I've never loved this book as much as I love it right now. This morning I was reading uh, out of the book of Daniel, and I came to that verse this morning in the book of Daniel where it said that they that know their God shall do exploits. You know, I don't believe that that's unless your country's in a, in a mess. <laughs> Uh, unless some politicians make some big mistakes, uh, unless the wrong person gets uh, uh, elected. No, it says that they that know their God shall have strength and do exploits. Do you realize? Do you realize that uh, that that while uh, while Nebuchadnezzar was the king, Nebuchadnezzar, you remember how wicked he was? He was so wicked, God made him go outside and eat grass like an ox. God made him uh, uh, live in the outdoors like an animal. But it was while Nebuchadnezzar was the king that God used Daniel. It was while Ahasuerus was the king that God used uh, 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 Esther. Ahasuerus, you remember how wicked he was? He was the guy that when, he did, when his wife did something, So he sent his servants to all 127 provinces. And they, he said, go get me the best virgins from each province. So at least 127. And he spent a night with each one of them auditioning her and to choose his new queen. And while that wicked man was the king, God used Esther. While the Pharaohs were in charge, God used Joseph and Moses. While Jezebel was in charge, who knows, we may have a Jezebel in charge someday. Uh, but, uh, but, but while Jezebel was in charge, uh, God used Elijah. Uh, while De while uh, uh, Caesar ruled the world from Rome, God used Paul. While Herod was cutting off, you mentioned, uh, somebody mentioned this morning, yeah, uh, you mentioned this morning uh, about Herod cutting off James's head. <laughs> yeah, and he cut off John the Baptist's head too. And while that was happening, God was using John and Peter and the other apostles. Don't let them tell you <laughs> that you missed your chance. Don't let them cause you to doubt. Don't let them get your spirit. If they get your spirit, they can control you. And he is to control us. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. Remember the 1960s when they told us within the next 10 years all the oil was going to be gone? That didn't happen, did it? You remember in the 1970s when they told us within the next 10 years there's going to be another ice age? <laughs> that didn't happen, did it? You remember in the 1980s when they told us that the acid rain was going to destroy all the crops in the whole world? <laughs> that didn't happen, did it? You remember in the 1990s when they told us that the ozone layer was going to be destroyed within the next 10 years? That didn't happen, did it? 
You remember in the 2000s when they told us that the ice caps were going to be gone within the next 10 years? Yeah, isn't it amazing? In 30 years' time, they went from predicting a new ice age to predicting all the ice was going to melt. <laughs> I guess the refrigerator broke or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it didn't happen, did it? And 12 years from now, you mark my word, there'll still be a God. And he'll still be real. Amen. And we'll still be singing about him. Amen. And we'll still be believing his book. And he'll still be using this book to reveal himself to us. And to see people saved. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed.